was paralyzed by fear when they heard a mighty multitude was quickly drawing near but as he prayed for deliverance the victory would begin cause when you call upon the Lord you're summoned of heaven pray That's the one thing that'll keep us going in our Christian life better than anything else is to pray on. We get so tempted to give up before the answer comes. Let's pray on. And it's a great thing. That's one of the things that has been the, 
the bulwark of this church, the foundation of this church over the years has prayer. And we need to have prayers individually and prayers as a church. And when we ask God, he answers our prayers. And we're all answers to prayer. We all have answers to prayer. And it's such a great blessing indeed. Shall we just look to the Lord in prayer? Father, we just thank you for this beautiful song. We thank you for the men and women in the Bible who had faith in you to keep praying, even when circumstances were at their darkest. And we thank you, Father, that you're a prayer-answering God. And we come before you this morning as needy people. We want to hear your voice, Lord. We want to hear your word. And we pray that we will go home transformed and changed and blessed and built up in our faith. Please work in our lives, Lord. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and open up to our hearts and minds the truths that we need to hear. It may be different for each one of us. May your word touch us in a special way. And we just pray today that you will be glorified, Lord Jesus. Please hide me behind the cross. May the words that are spoken be from you and touch our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the Bible is so practical. You can read in the New Testament, you can read in the Old Testament, and there's some very practical things. For instance, all of us have problems at one time or another with anxiety, with worry. And so there's a lot said in the New Testament about those things. We all go through times in our lives where we get discouraged, and the Bible speaks of that. Well, today we're going to look at something that we all experience in our lives, but it's not a good thing. And that is being guilty of making excuses. If I was to ask you to raise your hand if you've never, ever made an excuse, we would have no hands raised. I know I'm guilty of making excuses. We know we are. But the scripture tells us that making excuses is bad for our lives. It's bad for our spiritual health. Excuses are like reservoirs that can't hold any water. They're like pits of manure for our lives is what they are. Because God wants us to be accountable to him and not to make excuses for our lives. He wants us to be honest and straight, straightforward. So our topic today is don't make excuses. You know, we've all known people that anytime anything goes wrong, they make an excuse. It's never their fault. It's somebody else's fault. They find somebody else to blame. Because, you know, when you make an excuse, what you're really trying to do is justify yourself and make yourself look good or make yourself look better. That's not good. We need to be those who own up to our mistakes, our failures, our weaknesses, and our sins and be accountable to God. I found a great definition in Webster's New World Dictionary of the word excuse. It says this, to free a person of blame, seek to exonerate, to try to minimize or pardon a fault, apologize or give reasons for, to consider a fault or an offense as not important, to overlook, to pardon, to serve as an explanation or justification for. And so if you ask how many people have, have given excuses, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. But it's very convicting. This is a very convicting subject because the Lord does not want us to fall into that pit. Remember Adam and Eve, our forefathers, they're our first parents. They were the first ones to come up with excuses, first ones to blame someone. As soon as Eve mentioned, as soon as Adam was confronted by God, 
Look at what you've done. Oh, it's the woman that you've given to me. First excuse. Lord, if you hadn't given me Eve, I wouldn't have fallen into this at all. First excuse. And then Eve came along and she said, oh, it's the serpent. He beguiled me. He tricked me. I didn't mean to take that fruit and eat of it. And then the serpent had nobody to blame because the buck fell to him. But all through the scriptures, you see people giving excuses, making justifications for what they did. You see it in the lives of people like Saul, Pilate, even Jeremiah and Moses made excuses why they couldn't do what God asked them to do. Jonah, he was the king of excuses why he couldn't go and fulfill God's word and go to Nineveh. So our text today is found in the gospel according to Luke chapter 14. If you'll turn over to Luke chapter 14 and begin reading, we'll begin reading at verse 15. I've been reading through the Gospel of Luke, and it's such a great book, and it's got so many parables in it, and this is one of them, and it really touched my heart when I was reading it and meditating upon it. It's been on my mind now for quite a while, and it's a great portion of Scripture. Luke chapter 14 and verse 15. The word of the Lord says, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, that is to Jesus, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time and said to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Today we're going to look at three things about excuses. Number one, excuses for getting saved. Secondly, excuses for living a holy and godly life. And third, excuses for, serving, for not serving the Lord. May the Lord encourage us today. In this parable, Jesus talks about how ludicrous excuses really are, how unjustified they are. And it talks about a master who sends out his servant to give an invitation to all these different individuals who are invited to the dinner party to come. And one by one, we're going to see that they're going to give excuses. But it's really interesting because when the message of salvation goes out today, God is giving his invitation. He's sending it out. And think about how sad that must be for our Heavenly Father. He gives the message of salvation out. He gives the invitation, and very few accept the invitation. Can you imagine we're going to have a wedding pretty soon 
for Cameron and Katrina, and they're sending out the wedding invitations, and everyone is welcome from the whole church. And everything. But can you imagine if a couple sent out invitations and nobody came? How would you feel if you were a couple getting married and nobody came to the wedding? It would be so sad. But that's the way it is with the Lord. So many people are not responding to his invitation, his RSVP that goes out. And the message of salvation is what the servant said, come, for all things are now ready. You know, salvation was completed by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He finished the work. He made everything ready for us, and he's made the gospel very simple. You know, religions of the world today, most all of them, except for Christianity, say you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do the other thing. Or you have to not do this, not do that, or not do the other thing in order to maybe get to heaven. You're never sure. You're never, you never know. But with Jesus Christ, he says, you don't have to do anything except believe. I did the work. I took your place on the cross. I died the death you should have died. I saved your life on the cross. And now everything is ready. All you have to do is come. But the gospel seems so simple to people. They say, it can't be that easy. I must have to do something. But no, God did the something for you. And he did the something for me, which was to die for us so that we could be saved and have a place in heaven and be with the Lord forever. But it's a simple message. But where the rub comes in is when people accept Jesus Christ, there is a turning over of your will to him. That's the hard part. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, I believe. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he's the Savior. I believe all I have to do is invite him into my heart. But when the point comes down to it, and like Mike likes to hear, where the rubber meets the road, you accept Christ as your King and Savior, and you turn over your life to him. That's what he wants. That's what the invitation involves. And so probably as these people started to think about it, they said, this, is a, this master is asking for a lot. He's inviting us over to his house, but what's the, what's the, what are the strings attached here? Have you ever been invited over and you say, well, they're inviting me over because they want me to invite them back. Or they're inviting me over because they're expecting me to bring a gift, a big gift. There's always things you think about. And these people that came, they thought about it, and they said, I'm too busy. I've got too many things to do. It says in verse 18, notice what it says, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. Began to make excuses. Alibis, ways out to get out of it. They didn't want to go. And you say, well, why wouldn't they want to go? It's so perfect. You're going to get a free meal. You're going to have a great banquet. You're going to have great activities and entertainment and all these things. It, it sounded so perfect, they didn't want to go. They, had, they came up with things. They made up things for not coming. You know, if you invite somebody to church and they say, oh, yeah, I'd like to come, but you know i got to do this, and they come up with excuses, I can't come, i got to do this, I've got soccer, I've got water skiing, I've got all these things to do. They can always think of excuses. But excuses do not hold water with the Lord. Because when a person stands before God one day, they will have no excuses. The Bible says that everyone will stand who's unsafe, will stand before the great white throne and will be judged. It doesn't say they will have an attorney present. It doesn't say they're going to give justifications for not receiving Christ or make excuses. That's not going to happen. Now is when people make excuses, but it's not justified. So they all made their excuses. 
And so many people today, if you ask them to accept Jesus as their Savior and, and believe in him and trust in him, they say, well, you know, I grew up in the church. I've always gone to church. I've always been a religious person. I mean, that's good for you, but, but I've always been this way. Or they say, you know, I'm, not, I'm a good person. You know, that, not like that person over there, not like Dean over there. I'm, I'm a good person. I do good things. But the Bible says that all of us, all of us without exception are sinners and need to be saved. We can't get into heaven by our own deeds or our own efforts. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. So people have the excuse, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I've got too many things to do. I'd like to come to your church, but dot, 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 I can't do it. And so three people in this passage of scripture, in this parable, give excuses. And some of them are pretty humorous. They really are. Because the first one says, I have bought a piece of land and I must go and see it. Oh, you didn't see it before you bought it? How many are going to go out today and buy a piece of land without even looking at it? No, you're not going to do it. But this man says, I've got to go out and look at the land just to make sure everything is still okay at, on that land. I'm sorry, have me excused. I, I can't come. And so this person, what he was really saying is, his material possessions were more important than Jesus. His material things, his money and all the things that he had were more important to him than coming to that banquet where he knew he needed to be. And today people are so concerned about wealth, so concerned about possessions and all these things, is that's why they don't go to church. That's why they don't come, because they are thinking this way. May the Lord help us to not be those who are materialistic and oriented toward these things, because like we were sharing today, seek the things which are above. Pray for those things. Those are the things that are going to count. Because no matter how much money we have, no, how many possessions we have, how much land we own or property, how much, what's that going to mean in heaven? Zero. But when we lay up treasures in heaven, that is what's going to really count when we do things for the Lord. And so this man says, I must go and see it. Notice he says, I must go. Jesus said, come. He said, I must go. They were going in different directions. And so many people today in our country are going in the different direction. They don't want Christ. They don't want to hear about him. They don't want to hear about their sins. They want to go in a different direction. And yet God loves them, and he patiently waits. He patiently waits through excuses and all kinds of alibis. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But this man says, I must go. He did not want to go to the banquet. The second one comes along and says, I've got a good excuse. I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I've got to go and test them. Now, what they did with the oxen is they used to put them in the yoke, and there would be two oxen in each one. So when he said five yoke of oxen, that was ten oxen. And in those days, that was worth quite a bit of money. That represented his business. And so he said, I cannot come. I've got to work on my business. I've got to work on my opportunities to make money in the business world. And I think this is one of the things that's so stumbling to people today, money, money. 
That's why the Lord Jesus said it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle. I mean, for, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever seen an eye of a needle, how small it is? So small. And the disciples were saying, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus said, with God, it is possible. With men, it is impossible. So praise be to God that we come. But our business can sometimes take priority. Have you ever noticed how hard people work? They're self-employed. So they work one day, two days, three days, four days, five days, six days, seven days a week. Work, work, work. And then they're too tired to get up and go to church on Sunday morning. It's amazing. Because people are emphasizing. Even people in the corporate world that are not self-employed, they're driven by it. I work with people, and they're just driven, driven, driven. Praise God that as Christians, we can work hard, we can do our job well, and all of that, but it's not our main emphasis in life. Our main emphasis on life is to walk with the Lord and serve him and tell others about him. But this man says, I got ten yoke of, a five yoke of oxen, I've got to go and take care of them. His priorities were on the things of this world. Remember the rich young ruler that came to the Lord Jesus and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. He says, What shall I do? He says, Keep the commandments. And he, Jesus named off several of the commandments. And the young man says, Well, I've kept all these from my youth. I've done them all. What more do I lack? And Jesus looked at him and says, Jesus loved him. And he says, One thing you lack. Go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor and come and follow me. The rich young ruler looked down, he looked sad, and he walked away sad because the price was too heavy. Now, it doesn't mean when you accept Jesus Christ today as your Savior, you have to give away all your money, all your bank accounts, all your 401k. No, but there are things that keep us from Christ, and if there's something in your life that's keeping you from him, we should discard it, we should put it aside, we should not put a priority on it because Jesus needs to come first. He wants to save us. He wants to give us eternal life. And he does not want anything to come in between. Not our money, not our possessions, and not our business. And then the third man comes along. Well, I'd like, first of all, to share what Bill McDonald said about this. He says he pictures those who put jobs, occupation, and business ahead of the call of God. Now, we can also add hobbies to that. How many people do you know that have hobbies, whether it's fishing or gardening or hunting or whatever? The hobbies always seem to fall at times that keep people from coming to church. Always. Always. When do they go away? They go away on the weekends. They miss church. They don't come. And then notice what the third man said. This is a great excuse, right? I have married a wife, and I, therefore I cannot come. I've married a wife, I cannot come. Now you think, well, the other ones had pretty lame excuses. This must be a good excuse, right? He was, he was justified in that. He got married. No, it's not, a, it's not a good excuse. How many husbands have kept their wives from getting saved? How many? How many wives have kept their husbands from getting saved? Or boyfriends with girlfriends or friends with each other? Anyone who keeps you from the Lord Jesus, that's not a good relationship. So relationships can interfere, and we can come up with so many excuses for that. 
The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37 and 38, he said, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus is saying, don't love your parents, don't love your family, don't love those, those around you. No, he wants us to love them, but he wants us to love him first, put him first, and not let anything come between us. The Bible says that we're all without excuse. It says in John 15, 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. What Jesus was saying is not that the people weren't sinners that he came to visit in those days, but he came to expose them by his holiness and righteousness and perfect life. He exposed that they were sinners and that they needed to be saved. We too are sinners needing to be saved today. And God has said that for us. It says in Romans 1.20, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Not one person can ever stand before God and make an excuse, and God will say, you're right. You're right. You grew up in a bad neighborhood. It's okay. I'm going to take you into heaven anyway. No, he doesn't say that. Or he doesn't say because you grew up and you, and you had a bad experience going to church, and because of that you didn't go anymore, oh, it's okay. God is not gonna accept even one single excuse, and he doesn't want us to make those excuses either. Excuses will only keep us from Christ. We need to get saved. Secondly, let's not make excuses for not living for the Lord Jesus a life of surrender to him. The Lord Jesus calls us to a life of commitment and dedication and discipleship for him, and he wants us to live a holy life. That's the bottom line. He wants us to live a holy life. Once we get saved, he says, you're mine now, and I want you to live for me a consecrated life. But then we say, I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy to read God's word today. I'm too busy to study his word today. I'm too busy to walk with him today. If you can ever say, I'm too busy about something, then you are too busy with the wrong thing. And that really convicted me because it said, Lord, I should never be too busy in this world and let these things squeeze out time with you, squeeze out time to, to serve you and to honor you. It's very true. So many people say, I can't do it. It's impossible. I just can't do this thing. And the Lord says, you're right, son. It is impossible. But like Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's such an encouraging verse because it's not about us. It's about God's Holy Spirit, His power through us. We can do it. We can do it for Him. We can be victorious if we pray on, like John Yvette was singing today. Pray on. It's a choice. We have a choice God has given us. We can live for ourselves or we can live for Christ. That is the choice. We can live for the world or we can live for Christ. It's a choice. And we've all gone through it, and we've all thought about it, and we need to think about it more, that we want to live for the Lord. We want to make that choice. But when we make excuses, it never helps anything. I like what a man named Hebel once said. He said, whoever wants to be a judge of human nature should study people's excuses. You know, you can write books on how many excuses people have for things. 
oh, I couldn't do it because, and then they have an excuse. When I was in uh, high school, we used to run cross country, and they had a book. And in that book, it had all the excuses, all the excuses for why I couldn't run the race, why I couldn't win the race, why I couldn't do the training, why I couldn't do the excuses, excuses, excuses. In the military, they don't accept that, do they, Vince? What's the answer? No excuse, sir. Right? That's that. The sergeant is not going to say, oh, it's okay. It's okay, Vince, if you want to sleep in till 10 today, right? It's okay. It's all right. Oh, you don't want to go on the 25-mile march? Oh, that's fine. Because Vince says, my foot hurts today. I have an excuse. They're not going to, are they going to accept that? No. So why in the spiritual realm should we accept giving excuses to the Lord why we can't be all out for him and serve him and love him? We shouldn't let excuses come up like that. We have to make the decision to do it. I read a story about Deion Sanders. We all remember him. He's called Primetime. And he was one of the only athletes that ever played professional football and professional baseball at the same time. Not only in two different seasons or at different times, he played them at the same time on the same weekend. He's the only athlete that scored an NFL touchdown the same weekend as he hit a home run. Amazing athlete. But he tells the story of growing up in a very tough area of Fort Myers, Florida, where there were a lot of would-be athletes that he grew up with. And that really spurred him on to success. He said, I call them Ida's. I'd have practiced a little harder. If I'd have practiced a little harder, I'd be a superstar. If I'd have done this, I would have done it. And so Dion says, they were as fast as me when they were kids, but instead of working for their dreams, they chose jugs and a life of street corner. When I was young, I had practice, but my friends who didn't went straight to the street corners, and they never left. At that moment, we need to grab, he said, we don't need items. We don't need Ida's. We don't need excuses. We don't need alibis for that. We need to be held accountable. I love a song that I, that I heard many years ago on this passage that it goes like this. I cannot come to the banquet. Don't trouble me now. I have married a wife. I have bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Please have me excused. I cannot come. <laughs> I said, wow, you know, <laughs> please have me excused. I cannot come. They thought all of the excuses. Now, I was thinking about that song and that tune. It's really catchy, right? So I thought there's words for Christians, too. I cannot come to the chapel, don't trouble me now. I've a boat at the lake, I've a house in the town. I have sports on the weekends and TV all day long. Please have me excused, I cannot come. <laughs> I said, oh. Mm. Do we have excuses or not? Those excuses could be parked outside your house. Those excuses could be anywhere, boats and houses and cars. It just fills our life up so full that we don't have time for the Lord. May it never be that way. Let's not have excuses that way. And third, let's not have excuses why we can't serve the Lord. Life is too short. He wants us to serve him. But the question is, am I serving the Lord? Now, we know one thing. We're all here at church. 
And we've all come to hear the word of God. And we've all, we all come to Bible studies and prayer meetings. We sing the songs. We do that. But how many of us in our own time, during the week, not just on church days, serve the Lord? And what I mean by that is you can serve the Lord in many ways. You can serve him at work by telling others about it. You can serve him at home by prayer and the word of God. You can serve him by serving your families. There's so many ways to serve the Lord. And he's given us the opportunity to do it. But very few people think that way today. I really like Albert Einstein because, remember, he was one of the most famous thinkers and inventors, and he was just a great man. And he said this, it is high time that the ideal of success should be replaced by the ideal of service. That is so true. People are going for success today. I want to get on the fast track. I want to get those A's in school. I want to do all that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the real goal should be to serve. I really like that about our president because President Obama, when he took office, he said, as a nation, we should involve, be involved in serving in our communities. That's what we should do. We should serve. Not just be served, but we should serve. Jesus said, I did not come to, serve, to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And the Lord wants us to serve him with all our hearts because of what he's done for us. And serving it involves sacrifice. It involves effort. And he wants us to serve him with all our hearts. What a sad thing when we lose opportunities to serve him because you can never get them back. It's like a word that's spoken. You can't bring it back again. And when you lose an opportunity to serve the Lord, to witness for the Lord or to give to the Lord, you can't get it back. You can do other things, but you'll lose that opportunity. Someone once said, I'd rather lose money than lose an opportunity to serve the Lord. Do we feel that way? We'd rather lose money than lose an opportunity to serve the Lord. That is so very important. You know, one of the brothers was sharing the other day at the prayer meeting about Brother Wayne. I hope it does, and it's not to embarrass you, but this is a great blessing. He has problems with, with one of his eyes, and he said to the brother, I would give one of my eyes to see that person saved. That is a dedication to the Lord. That's what Paul said. He says, I would be, rather be accursed myself than to see Israel lost. He says, I'd give anything to see them saved. May the Lord help us to say, no excuses. I want to give my all to the Lord. I want to serve him all the days of my life. I don't want to just start off well, but I want to finish well, and I want to give him all the glory. So in conclusion, let's remember today that God does not accept excuses. So we shouldn't either. And we shouldn't accept an excuse that keeps us from accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. What are people going to think about me? What are my friends going to say? What are they going to do at work? We need to, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and not let any excuses come in at all. And then we, don't, we want to have no excuses for letting money or possessions or things of this world come between us and the Lord. And life is so short, we want to serve him all the days of our life. We should never let excuses come up. And if we make mistakes, if we make errors or failures or weaknesses, we should own up to it and say, I was wrong, I, I did it. I think I mentioned it to you before, that expression that came up many years ago, and it's called, my bad. Have, have, people, have you heard of that expression? My bad? Okay. There's people at work, they use it all the time, and I thought about it. I thought about it. They say, my bad. 
it's kind of an easy kind of way to say, I kind of messed up, I kind of made a mistake, my bad. It came about from a basketball player that one day used that when he failed to make a good pass to his teammate, he came up with that expression, my bad. Instead of saying, I'm bad, he just kind of shortened it, my bad. But may the Lord help us to say, when we're wrong, I'm wrong. I'm wrong, please forgive me. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. But so many people are so proud, and we get that way sometimes. We make excuses. Well, it really wasn't my fault. Um, I could have done it if this would have happened, or if that would have happened, or if this person would have done this. We always look to blame others. May the Lord help us not to have excuses, but to say, Lord, it's me and you. And let me do your will, Lord. Let me live for you. Let me serve you. Let me get saved today if, I'm, if you're not saved. And don't make any excuses. Because remember, excuses do not work. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, we are so convicted and so challenged by your word. And so many times, Lord, we let excuses come in. We say we could have done this, but we have reasons. And we give these reasons, and it just doesn't hold water, Lord. We just pray that we would be those who don't make excuses, that we will be those who live for you and serve you. And we thank you for this congregation, Lord. We thank you for Adel and Sylvia and their dedicated ministry over the years. They never made excuses for anything. They served you with all their might, with all their heart, and are continuing to serve you. Help us to follow their godly example, Lord, and to serve you. No matter when it's difficult or when things go against us, help us, Lord, to stand up for you and serve you all the days of our lives. We just ask this now and give thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen.